If you want to, you can turn your Bible with me to the book of Judges. And we are starting a new series this morning called Turn Around. But I want to say this in faith, that even as we practically turned around the venue this morning, that I believe that some of your lives this morning are going to be turned around by the work of God in your lives. I want to say that again. I fully believe that there are people in this room this morning whose lives are going to be turned around by the work of God in your lives. Do you have faith for that? Is anyone here this morning who says, when I hear that, something happens in my heart and I desire that? A turnaround of the course of direction that your life is on. And I believe that God wants to bring that to us. Two weeks ago, I was praying for us as a church and God gave me this word, just one word. He said, call forth the Gideons. Just that. I'm like, God, what are you saying? What does it mean? And naturally what I do, what I meant to do as a pastor is to go to the Bible and read the story of Gideon. And I'm, God, God, there's something in there that you want to share with us as a church for a very specific season, a very specific moment. And I believe that's, that's the heart of this story is that there are Gideons in our midst who's been in hiding for a very long time because of fear that we just talked about, because of disappointment, because of past offense in your walk, maybe with church or maybe with another person, because of disillusionment in your journey that you have, like Gideon, and we're going to see it this morning, have been in hiding, and these things in your life has kind of made the mark of your life what it is. And I believe it's a prophetic message for us today that there are Gideons in this room and in this church and in this community that God is saying, I'm gonna call them out and I'm gonna call them up and I'm gonna see them walk in the fullness that I have for them. I'm gonna see them transformed as we just read in 2 Corinthians into a greater degree of glory. That's the heartbeat of the Father for us this morning. God is saying that I'm about to stop and turn around your course of life. And that's what he did for Gideon. The key verse for this message is Judges 6 verse 14. We're going to read the chapter in a minute. But it says this, Then the Lord turned to him, that is to Gideon, and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. Have I not sent you? That whole concept of turning around, it's amazing when you study, and we're going to read it in a minute, the conversation between Gideon and God. Quite, quite an interesting piece of dialogue. God comes in and he establishes something and then Gideon comes and as we honor human nature, he opposes that and he says, wait a minute, I'm not sure that I agree. And then God turned to him. It's, it's important that we know that every word in the Bible is significant. God turned to him and he faced him and he said, go with the strength you have and deliver Israel from the Midianites. And I believe some of us have been hiding because we're waiting for more strength. We're waiting for more training. We're waiting for more breakthrough. We're waiting for more power. And God is saying to us, go with the strength that you have. That is absolutely enough to, to overcome the Midianites in your life. How many of us keep back and we just keep waiting, waiting, waiting for some other, I don't know what it is, until we actually get up and say, you know what, God, you have called me. And that's the beauty of the message of Gideon. He didn't wait for an endowment of power. He just stepped out in faith because God called him. And then God did the multiplication of power as he walked in obedience. So this morning, I want to say to you, 
Go in the strength that you have. Some of you might feel, I've got two out of 10. Go in the strength that you have. Some of you might feel, I've got nine out of 10. Go in the strength that you have, and I will multiply the power and the effectivity of my word this morning. So I'm saying that personally as well. I'm standing here dependent on God. And I'm calling my message this morning, Hide and Seek. One of my favorite games to play still is with Alika in the house. We do that often. Um, Helena doesn't always enjoy that much because it's loud and, and there's screams and shouts and all these things. But I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this and I gave it this title because that's the story of Gideon, a man in hiding whom God has been seeking out. And again, I'm saying this, that I believe there are some of you, you've been hiding, but God's been seeking. Some of you are in a wine press and it's quite depressing and small and compressed in the wine press because you found your comfort there. This morning, one of the prophetic words that came out is that people are, are literally, and I love how Jesus is working because we didn't plan that I'm gonna preach now and that Lucy's gonna have that word and that Eliana's gonna give the encouragement she's gonna give for worship. It's all just the thread of the Holy Spirit working here this morning. But the prophetic word this morning that people are hiding in small little silos, is, doesn't that represent the wine press that Gideon were found in? And God is gonna break those down and they're gonna have an open field to be walking in and to be working in. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are speaking to us so clearly this morning. Lord, thank you that you are leading this house because you're the head of this house. And we wanna respond in faith this morning, Lord, that if we find ourselves in that place of hiding, be it disappointment of the past, be it feeling inadequate to come into your presence, wherever it is that we might find ourselves, Lord, that you would put a faith in our hearts this morning as we read your word together, that you are the God of the impossible and you can turn around our lives this morning. Lord, I pray for, and I wanna take authority, Lord, over any thoughts of the enemy in people's minds right now in Jesus' name, Father. We come as your word says and we, you encourage us to take authority over every thought that is standing up against the revelation of Christ. Lord, we pray that we will have the mind of Christ this morning to understand what it is that you are calling us into and to be able to walk in that with freedom and liberty. Lord, I pray as we open your word and read it and study it, that you would anoint your word, that you would preach through me in whatever it is that you wanna say, Lord, as I avail myself for you to work through me this morning. I pray that people would not hear Pierre speaking, but that they would hear the very words of a loving father reaching out to their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Judges chapter six, and you'll see how all of this just comes together. We're gonna read the call of Gideon from verses 11 to 24. Before we read that, it's important to give context to what we are reading. The Israelites are in a terrible season of oppression because of their own sin. Because of their sin and them turning away from God and starting to worship idols, God sent the Midianites to put them into a place of oppression. It said that they were so oppressed that they had to flee to caves and holes and into the wilderness to find a place just to sleep. So they didn't even have, 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 have land anymore. They were just scattered all around. And every time they, plant, they tried to plant something, crops or food, the Midianites would come and they would just take it all away. 
So that's the backdrop of this story of, of Gideon. There was a prophet who rose, and you can read that in verse 10, who rose up during this time. And he said this, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. It's the very last words before we see the call of Gideon. And part of what we're gonna do this morning is say, God, are there places in our life and our walk where we have feared the gods of this world? Where the intimidation and the gods of this world isn't, isn't most of the time material gods. It's the, God, the gods of, of strongholds in this world. I'm, I'm thinking about the fear that we are battling in the Western Cape because of the rain. That's a god of this world. People are worshiping fear rather than the god who can send the rain. I think about the, 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 the God of this world of intimidation that intimidates us that we want to live in a gated village because someone might just run through the gate and do something. You know what? Whether you live in a gated village or whether you live in an open field, it is God who protects. It is God who stands. Nothing in this world. And we, we, we worship these gods and try and think that that's where our safekeeping is. And this happened with the Israelites because they lost everything. They started worshiping Baal as the God of fertility, saying, well, if we can just be a fertile nation again, maybe we can find a place for ourselves. And the prophet of God rose and said, because you fear the gods of the land you live in, this is why you are facing what you are facing. And then God steps in and he turns around the story. I love how this is a theme for us this year, that he wants to turn around the stories. And he calls one man, Gideon, to assemble 300 men and go and defeat an army who's been keeping an entire nation in oppression for seven years. Isn't that amazing? That's the faith I want you to hear this morning, that you, one individual with the right people in your camp, can do stuff for God that can break oppression, maybe for seven years, maybe for 10 years, 15 years, in your family, in your, your place that you live, in your community, he can do it through you like he did it through Gideon. Because this story isn't over with the prophet saying, you have disobeyed my voice. It was only the beginning of the story with God saying, I'm raising up a Gideon. And I want you as ladies to know this morning, there's Gideons in you as well. That's just the story we're studying. We could study Deborah and Esther as well, and hopefully we will at some time, and then the men has to kind of just, okay, let's just adapt a little bit here. But let's read how God called this man. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son, Gideon, was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. 
And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that this is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from me until I come to you and bring a present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till your return. So Gideon went inside to his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes of flour and meat he put in a basket and the broth and he presented it to him at the terebinth tree. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and pour the broth over it and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. This day, to this day, it stands at Oprah, which belongs to the Abyssrites. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has cut down, that, that, that your father has, and cut down the Ashereth that's beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull as an offer and burnt offerings with the wood of the Asherah that you will cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it, by day he did so by night. What an incredible story. A turnaround story, a turnaround of events. This is only the unfolding of it. The moment where God steps in and there is a man hiding away in fear, doing one of the weirdest things, beating out the wheat in a wine press. He didn't go down because there was some great fergelegen wine in the wine press to enjoy and forget of his sorrows. He went down there because he was scared that the Midianites would see that he has wheat and where there was no wind, because in those days when they, when they beat out the wheat, they throw it in the wind and the chaff and the wheat would be separated from one another. But here he was sweating and working in a small little hole, probably maybe this size, trying and hiding to get the chaff away from the wheat so that he can have some food. That was the story happening in this moment. And then God appeared, and this, this is the word for us. When the Lord turns to us, our lives turn around. Every single time. Every single time. I thought about my own walk with Jesus this week. I was just thinking, God, my Gideon moments. And, and that's something I wanna to say to you as well. The Gideon moment isn't something that happens just once and then it's done. It's a continuous walk and journey. I felt it two weeks ago, three weeks ago during our fast and prayer week, maybe it's a month ago, time is flying fast, <laughs> pun intended, fast week, time is flying fast, where I had an encounter with God the one night on the Tuesday night in my room and I felt him calling me to something specific and it was a Gideon moment. So you might sit here and thinking, that's a great message, Pierre, but I think I've had my moment. God is saying, have faith this morning for more Gideon moments in your walk. Where I will come and step into your circumstances and say, you women, you men are a great man and great woman of valor. And there's four things I wanna share with you out of this message. 
The first one is that there's a divine intruder. This is God. When you study his word, it seems to be his business to come into someone's life and says, I'm gonna intrude in whatever comfort you have at the moment, wherever you find yourselves, and I'm gonna set your life on a new course. Think about Abram. Think about Moses, the burning bush. Think back to Moses' life where he, he was put in a little basket on a river. That was a divine intruder stepping into his life. Think about Noah when God called him and gave him some weird thing to do to build an ark in a season where people haven't even seen rain. It's the divine intruder. Think about Esther. Think about Mary. Imagine what she felt. She was about to get married to Joseph. All that excitement, anticipation, preparation, and the divine intruder steps in and says, I've got another plan for you. Think about Paul on his journey to Damascus. Think about each of the disciples that Jesus called. Think about some modern day examples. I thought about Yesupadam, who we know from India, and when you hear his story, God is constantly intruding in his plans. And God says, yes, but I'm here's a new direction I went, want you to walk in. This very name, every nation exists because Steve and Deborah Murrell, who leads our movement, went to the Philippines on a 10-day mission trip and God intruded and said, it's not just 10 days, it's gonna be your life. And they stayed behind in the Philippines, not going with their family and friends back to the United States. I was reading this week about Heidi Baker and her call, how God appeared to, he, to, to her and he intruded and said, I have a call. And today she's world renowned, not because of who she is, but because of what God is doing. And I look across this room and I know that some of you have felt God intruding into your life. Where you had a set course and a plan and he said, I have something else. I am calling you into something great. And we see this happen. Here's this man in fear, in agony, in pain, in 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 disappointment and disillusionment with God. He is trying to hide. He's trying to just get some food together. And God steps in and he says, I'm gonna intrude into your reality. I'm gonna move you on. What I love about this very verse is Judges 6 verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. That word appeared, when you study it in its original text, is the word rava, which means the angel of the Lord saw him. And when you study that word a little bit deeper and you read it in context of where it's used elsewhere in the Bible, what it literally means is the angel of the Lord stepped in and said, Joseph, I see you. I see the potential. I see what I've called you to. I see what you can do for me. I see the pain that you are facing. It wasn't just that the angel appeared and now all of a sudden, Gideon had to just get it together. The first thing that the angel did is, Neil, I see you, and I see something great. And this morning, I believe the divine intruder is coming to some of our hearts and saying, I see you, Anne. I see you, and there's something in you that I'm calling you to that is great. Do you have faith for that? That's where it started, with that very thing that when we are before God and he appears into our lives, he looks at us in a complete different way than we look at ourselves.
me to my next point is that there was a defined identity. All of a sudden, Gideon is challenged by how he see, sees himself. He turns to this angel and he says, and it's interesting, the story, I was trying to figure it out because sometimes it says the angel of the Lord and sometimes it says the Lord. And when you study it in the original text, it's actually God, Yahweh, speaking to him. So it's almost like God sent the messenger, but at some point God stepped in and said, okay, now I'm gonna speak and tell you a few things. But we see how, how Gideon goes into his false identity. I am the weakest and from the weakest clan. So out of all of Israel, you are telling me you're choosing someone from the weakest clan. And, and, and besides all of that, let's go a little bit lower. I am actually the least in my father's house. So not only are you telling me you, you're choosing the weakest, but you're choosing the least of the weakest. And that's the thing, when God establishes new identity in us, he moves us from the least to the most. From the least likely to the most likely in the purposes of his kingdom. From the least powerful to the most powerful. That's what I love about the story. He wasn't the eight type leader that was running strong and he was like, yeah, that's the man we want to follow. Gideon's our man and we all follow him and we run after him. He was a man who was hiding and fearful. Some of you have felt like that. I am the least in my family, in this church. That's what Joni said. Some of you feel held back. I just don't know if I've got something to give. And God steps in and he changes this guy's identity around completely. The very first thing God says to him, the Lord is with you. I think if it just stopped there and he had a revelation of who is with him, it would have been enough. Sometimes we forget who exactly is with us in this journey of life, right? I thought about this. It would have been enough for him to know that Yahweh, the, the Lord of Israel, is with him. But then God said, but I want to deal with your identity too. Oh, mighty man of valor you are, Gideon. And I can imagine him being completely perplexed. Thinking, is this some exaggerated sarcasm? <laughs> or some funny joke that you're trying to pull? By telling me I'm a great man of valor? Look at where I've placed myself in hiding. Look at where I come from. But God defines our identity when there's a greater call for us. And this morning I believe that he's not only gonna intrude into some of our hearts and he's gonna say, I have a greater call and a new course for you to walk on. He's gonna come and say, but this is how I see you. Pierre, but how do we find that identity in today's life? Well, it's simple. There's so many places. We find it in the word of God. By studying this more and more and understanding it more, we find that identity. We find it in the community, which is church, where we walk with one another and say, you know what, Eugene, this is what I see in your life. Or there's a prophetic moment and a prophetic word of encouragement where I say, God is calling you to more than what you're doing at the moment. And I believe this morning as we're gonna minister to one another, that is what he wants to do, is redefine our identity. God steps in and he says, Gideon, I'm gonna place my fingerprint on you. And from this moment, you will be called brave and courageous. Some of you are battling with identities. 
that is fear-filled. Some of you call yourself simple. Yes, act simple. Yes, act stupid. We confess that over ourselves. Some of us call ourselves weak. Some of you might find yourself being impatient at times or you get angry and that's what you call yourself. And Gideon is in that moment where he needs to decide, am I gonna listen to the voice of God and let him define me? Or am I gonna continue defining myself? And then the third thing that happens is God gives him direct instructions. After the call, after this moment happened, and Gideon had an encounter with the living God, putting his fingerprint on him and say, from this moment forward, you're gonna walk differently. He gave him exact steps on how to walk. And this is exciting. God doesn't just call us. He doesn't just say, you know what, come up and let me walk a road with you. In his study of his word and in community, we figure out what that looks like. And you can start walking in the direct instructions that he has for you. It's about partnering with God all the way. It's not just about receiving the call and starting to run, but it's that constant partnership. And Pete's gonna share a little bit more about that next week. And our Gideon was partnering with God his entire journey through. This is some of the instructions and look, look, look at it and see how specific it is. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. That night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal. This is what I love about God. When we pursue him, and when he puts our life on a new course, he doesn't leave us up to our own demises and figuring it out. But if we seek him and study his word and pray together and go on our knees every day and say, God, give me direction, he gives us very direct instructions on how to walk. And maybe you haven't noticed, but I feel like he has done that this morning. Again, from the worship to what Neil did, again, we didn't talk about the message. He felt, let's intrude this meeting and then Eliana said, we, we need to look with different perspective on things. The word that Lucy shared, this is the instructions of God. Very clearly telling us as a people, I have got something for you to walk in. And he will also reveal to us what that looks like. So after all of this, the intruder has stepped in, the divine intruder, God, and said, I'm going to put your life on a new course he says, but I'm gonna first tell you who I think you are, your position in Christ, your understanding, having the mind of Christ, that in Christ you are perfect, you are wonderfully and fearfully made, and you can walk in your calling. Then this is what I want you to do. He starts giving him the instructions. And then the very last point for this morning, there was a dethroning of idols. This is the moment that it all came together where Gideon realized, perhaps, as the prophet said, is that they are in this place because of idolatry in their lives. And I really believe that that's the very first thing that God does when he calls us, when he affirms us, when he says, I have a new direction for your walk. He says, but I'm not gonna share the throne of your heart with anything else. I'm gonna address those things in your life that you've been worshiping and bowing to, and I'm gonna set them straight, but I need you to take the action. God could have easily just went like this, and the ball and the Asherah could have disappeared, easily. But he said, Gideon, 
now that I've called you and I've given you identity, and I've given you instructions, now you need to go and dethrone the idols that is in your father's house. I prayed about this, like God, idolatry is a maybe foreign concept to us today in Summers West. And I think we fall in a trap of always calling material things idols. But here are a few that I feel God showed me this morning. The idol of our hearts of pride. Yeseni for many. I have a friend who says, Yeseni for many. You don't tell me. But it's in the Bible. You don't tell me. I'll figure out. Some I didn't do. Or maybe pride to actually come out and say, you know what? I am deeply broken and deeply hurt. Can someone help me? But because of that idol of pride and the fear of man, we don't do that. There's the idol of false identity, good or bad. Some of us has got some pretty good false identities. Everything is good. I'm, I'm secure. Everything is fine. My, my, my business is running and I'm making money and I've got the house and the car and my identity is just, it's great. It doesn't always have to be a bad identity in terms of what we consider good or bad. Some of us do struggle with the idol of our heart of a false identity and we've made it our security. Just like Gideon, we go down into that hole because there we feel safe. Then there's the idol of self-preservation. If I can just do anything in my power to make sure that myself and my children, my family, and everyone is safe and just protected and we've got the best and we, 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 we go for the best and we, then I'm okay. It's become an idol, especially in our community. Self-preservation. And it's, you know what, it's more than an idol. In fact, you know what it's done? It's alienated us from one another. Because we build our little safe places. If I just have enough water, I'm okay. I thought about the water, and I know it's a, an actual topic and a relevant topic, but what an opportunity for the community to come together. But if we serve in the idol of self-preservation, I have enough and I'm okay, that's an opportunity missed. There's the idol of offense. Past hurts, past disappointments, disillusionment with God or maybe with the church or maybe with family and you're holding on to that because no one tells me because I know I'm right. And that person did that to me. So I'm just gonna go where I'm valued and loved and taken care of and you've made that offense an idol. There's the idol of distrust. You just... You distrust God. You're sitting here this morning and you're hearing all of this and you're like, I just don't know. I'd rather go think about this a little bit more. And The question this morning is, will you dethrone the idol of your heart? So this is the very first thing that God expected of Gideon to do, to fulfill his call and for his life to turn around. This is what he said, pull down the altar of Baal that your father has it's in your house, Gideon, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar of the Lord your God on top of it. Put it on top of that stronghold with stones laid in due order. And there's the key this morning. 
God, I'm going to dethrone this idol. But on top of that, I'm going to build an altar of praise to you. And in due order, I'm going to study your word and know exactly how it is that I need to live. And with Jesus, you, the cornerstone, I'm going to start there and place it over this thing that I've worshipped. And from there, I'm going to put into the, all the precepts and commandments you've given me so that my life will be a place where I worship you alone and where Baal and the Asherah will not stand anymore. Isn't that powerful? And it was only after that that Gideon really saw the full picture where God said, now I don't want you to take 20,000 men. I don't want you to take 10,000 men. I want you to take 300 and go defeat an army who's been oppressing my people for seven years. And I believe this morning God is saying to us, it is time to get out from that wine press that we're hiding in It's time for Him to step into our lives and move us out of there. It's time for Him to give us a new clear identity. It's time for Him to give us very clear direction. And finally, it's time for us to say, this idol in my heart, I'm gonna put down today. And then this all concludes. Judges 6 verse 23. Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. When he had a revelation that it was God that he saw face to face. He got fearful. And God said to him, peace be to you. And I know even in this moment, as God is speaking to you about your own heart and maybe some idols, you are scared to put those things down. You are battling with fear. Say, God, I just don't know if I'm ready to put some of these things down that you are speaking to me about. Some of you are fearful for the call of God and you're holding back. Let that be the call this morning that he is saying to us, peace be to you, do not fear, you will not die.